DP Gigs, dpgigs.com, where minority small business services reside. You may be wondering, what is DP Gigs? Well, DP Gigs is the new marketplace where you can find a variety of services from minority small business owners online with services such as accounting, tax prep, business coaching, virtual assistant, event planning, voiceovers, web design, and so many others. Check for yourself. Visit the website, dpgigs.com. That's dpgigs.com. Now, by using the variety of minority small business services at DP Gigs, you will help keep dollars in black and brown communities across the United States. It's easy to get started. Visit the website and search the fantastic minority small businesses that can perform the services you need at dpgigs.com. And yes, they get the job done. Check out the website, dpgigs.com, where minority small business services reside. Welcome to Boss Talk Radio, the number one online business and entrepreneurial talk show. Brought to you by Elite H Tax and Financial Services. Talk Radio, keeping it real, yeah, that's for sure. I said a boss. Talk Radio, here for your needs, we'll crack the code heater. Boss, he gon' fix your situation like there ain't no time for wasting. We ain't playing when we saying heater. And if you ever have a problem, he gon' show you how to solve it. Listen in and he'll show you he the boss. Here's your host, the Texas Chapman Coach, George And your new co-host, the financial trailblazer, Sharita Humphrey. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of Boss Talk Radio, the Business Operations Success Suite. We have a very special guest today, and it, his whole business model just aligns with uh, the purpose of the show. And we were talking for a good bit uh, backstage uh, before the show, uh, so we're really excited to have him on. Uh, I wanted to touch on something before we do that, um, but before we get into all of that, how you doing, sis? <laughs> hey, hey, a happy new year. Is it? Yes. I know. <laughs> it's going by fast already, right? I know. <laughs> wow. Congratulations on making mom debt free. Yes. <laughs> yes. She is so excited. Um, she had no idea. Um, she decided to call me on Wednesday and told me she had one debt left. Um, so talk to talk to hus- hubby. And we just decided that we were going to start her her new year off by eliminating the last debt that she has. So she is officially debt free. Um, excited to be able to do that. That's why we that's why we do this do the work that we do. So that way we can really be able to pour back into those who support what we do and how we do it. So congratulations, mom! Thanks for watching the show. She's tuning in. <laughs> and shout out to Q for all that you do. We see you back there. <laughs> So I had something I wanted to touch on, sis. Uh, People out here are being cheap. Right. And so this woke me up like early this morning, right? And it was actually an acronym. Okay. And so, and I'm going to type that in on the screen, or you can type that one in on the screen. Okay, uh, I got you. Acronym. It's cheap. Consistently having excuses about participation. Ooh, that's deep. 
<laughs> and too many people are being cheap today. And, you know, it was interesting. I was talking to our guests backstage and the level up behaviors that are necessary does not allow you to be cheap. No. You know, you have to invest in yeah. not only yourself, but your business, your processes, and also your self-development. I think that there's this thing going on where people tend to uh, feel like they've arrived. Okay, I've gotten the LLC form, they got the bank account or whatever, websites up, I'm moving along, right. Right. or what have you, and just think they're going to draw quality people out of the woodworks. And they right. don't bother to develop themselves any further than that. Stop being cheap. Consistently having excuses about participation. You need to participate in these educational programs. You need to participate in these leadership programs, these development programs. And there's so many free resources out here is ridiculous. But what I do know is that I won't hold you to that because they're not always uh, available or I'm not going to say always, they're not always widely known. Um, so a lot of times these things will exist, but you're not privy to it. Part of that is you need to change your circle. You need right. to change what's happening around you because conversations are different at a different level. It, it just right. is. I'm sorry. It just very true. And so when you start to be around people that are having those conversations, you know, you get exposed to, you know, these different things. And if your conversation, you find yourself in a room where you're kind of dumbing conversations down, it's time to go. <laughs> you in the wrong room. <laughs> right. Or if you're the smartest one in the room. <laughs> right. You know, so. um we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into that trailblazer tip. And then we're going to get into our guest today. So here's what we have to do before we do that. First and foremost, get your pen, get your pad, your iPad, whatever it is you take notes with. Because if you don't, you're going to have to watch this video 15 times because that's how much information is about to come to you. I promise you. The next thing you need to do is share the video. Share right. the video with your platform you're watching it on right now. Share the video. And if you have any entrepreneurs or business uh, owners in your circle, you want to invite them into this show right now because today is going to be big. I promise you. Today is the day you're going to learn how to complete the puzzle, how to find those missing pieces and execute them. So the other thing I need you to do, uh, no matter where you're watching from, go ahead into the chat right now. Let me know who you are, where you're watching from, and give me a thumbs up if you're ready to learn all you can about how to level up in your business. We'll be back right after this. Have you ever said, I'll hire an accountant when my business becomes profitable. Are you working with an accountant that's only providing bookkeeping and tax services? Get behind the shield. The experts at Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services has a solution. Virtual CFO services can put your business in the black faster and help you make data-driven decisions. Boss Virtual CFO services offer strategic planning, risk management, reporting analysis, 
HR financial guidance, tax planning, and much more. Schedule your consultation today at Elite8Financial.com or give us a call at 866-2-ELITE-8. Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services, what your business needs before it needs it. This is Dr. Tamia Gass with Rejuvenating Chiropractic. This is Nera Reed with Modified Nutrition Health Coach. This is Karen Marcel with June Street Barbershop. This is Tiffany Marcel with Marcel Like Your Realty, and you're listening to Boss Talk Radio. Your bags are packed, and you're ready to enjoy a much-needed vacation. You arrive at the airport, and you're delayed because you were unaware of new protocols. When you land, you're not sure who to use for reliable ground transportation, You arrive at your resort to find it doesn't look like the brochures and your accommodations aren't ready. You've just lost an entire day trying to get settled and you still have to find things to do while on vacation. Destinations and Occasions is your premier concierge travel and event planner. At DNO, every detail of your trip is vetted for quality to create a great client experience. We're even accessible while you're away to take care of any concerns that may arise. Call us today at 510-459-7732 to plan your next vacation. Or visit us on the web at destinationsandoccasions.com. Destinations and Occasions. Details is what we do. Welcome back to Boss Talk Radio. What we're going to give you right now is our sister from another mister giving you this week's trailblazing tips. Get those finances together. Yes, yeah, so we're going to talk about the top, this this week's trailblazing tip. It's going to be a it's going to be a personal and a financial one. Your relationship with money has a direct impact on your financial outcomes, the lifestyle, physical, and mental health. So money is not the end all be all, but we certainly need it. Let's be clear: we all have goals. A lot of them are tied to finances. Um, we want to be able to create create wealth. But we need to be able to understand, like I just said, some of the things that we want to be able to do is tied to finances. But money's not all the things. We have to really be able to understand and have a better relationship with money because my my, my brother here just mentioned that a lot of times we're not participating in certain things because we're being cheap. But is it that we also need to understand what our money personality is so that way we can really have a deep dive and have a view on how we and where we spend our money? So we will, I, we will leave some links on there. So if we, I want you to know your money personality. And as somebody who was a former money hoarder, yes, I used to hoard money because I came from a background where we didn't have a lot of it. But I had to let that go because I couldn't be because I couldn't participate. I was being cheap. I couldn't participate in certain things, which kept me out of certain rooms. Well, if you're struggling with um, finances, it's time for you to really be able to boss up. It's no no time to like the presence to really be able to get a budget in place. I know I keep talking about budgeting, but it is a key paradigm for you to be able to really get control, get back into control of your financial household. So with that, um, I will share some leaks in there, what you can do to be able to get access to a budget. I'm going to share my money and life guide because I want you to get um, have a, a handle on your money and your life, but we can do this and still be bosses. Um, with that, George, let's talk about let's talk about um, this thing, because I like this cheap. I do have some people in here that saying they've been cheap and they want to be able to know how they can start to participate um, and and not feel so scared to invest into themselves. I think a lot of people, um, brother, are cheap because they're scared to invest into themselves because they have been burned um, 
by someone or they've been the person who've mis mismanaged what they had, thinking that they were going to be able to buy themselves into certain opportunities or rooms? Well, I will tell you that to start with, we don't want to try to buy your way, uh, per se, into a room. Um, what you're doing when you're investing into yourself is positioning yourself right. to be in a room. Not quite the same thing. And so the other part, you know, can, can we have, can, can we talk like family right now? Can we have a family right. conversation? family meeting. <laughs> so right. the thing is, is that, you know, we're always talking about uh, faith, having faith and whatnot. And mm -hmm. then we don't seem to want to operate in uh, faith. That part seems crazy to me. So what I found is that if I believe that, you know, I'm never going to be left alone, I can make these kind of commitments and it may get uncomfortable. I think our guest today will probably tell you that when you're getting a little bit uncomfortable, you know, you're growing, you know, uh, so it's not easy. And if nobody around you hasn't done it, you know, then it's a little bit harder for you to process because you don't know what that looks like. So you can be the first. I'm not telling you something from a place I haven't been, you know, because in fact, we were talking uh, backstage a while ago, we were talking about making the transition. This is a perfect segue because that's what it's really all about. Uh, we were talking about making that transition from uh, being self-employed to being a business owner and what that really looked like, you know, um, and then from being a business owner to actually uh, becoming that entrepreneur that you uh, dreamed of or that you set out to be. And it's a process. It doesn't happen, you know, just at the click of a finger or a decision, because what you do to get yourself started, if you've ever followed Boss Talk Radio, you listen to me. I tell you in a minute, hey, I don't do excuses. Let's make an adjustment. And I'm big on, you know, bootstrapping a start. But you can't stay in a bootstrap place or a bootstrap mindset, you know, once you get that thing going. Once those wheels are actually turning, you have to start to make the investment. So somebody give me a thumbs up in the audience if I'm coming through clear, because I just got a, a indicator that my Wi-Fi went slow. So if I'm dragging or something, yeah. let me know. It's a little bit um, dra you're dragging just a little bit. Okay, so when we go uh, on break, I'm going to switch over uh, to another Wi-Fi because I was actually uploading the video. That's probably uh, what was taking us a while. But, yeah, so uh, if you're out there and you're in the comments, um, you know, that's what not being cheap means. You don't want to consistently have an excuse. I promise you, if you do everything that you can do, by the time you run out of stuff that you can do and need help, the help, the solution, the methodology, it's going to show itself. You know, it's going to be there or what have you. So uh, did that kind of answer that? <laughs> right. It did certainly answer that. Yeah, certainly then your Internet's um, running a little bit better. And you definitely can't uh, do that without a budget. That's like trying to drive in an unfamiliar place without a map or a GPS. It doesn't work. Right. <laughs> you know, so you have to have that uh, accountability in place. But with that said, I want to introduce you guys to 
uh, someone that I admire myself. I've watched his work. Um, he hails from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, where I went to college at. So that was a, a automatic connection uh, for me. And we got to spend a little time talking uh, before the show. So I know you guys are in for a major, major treat. So once again, share the video, get yourself ready to take notes, and we're going to introduce Mr. Terry Simmons. And I think that's really what differentiates my organization from others is that we're not just saying, come get a website, you know, come, come get some content. We're saying, come get a business model, come get systems, come get processes, come get strategic plans, and also come and get the branding. But, you know, if you do one without the other, it's not going to work. Welcome to the show, everybody. Mr. Terry Simmons, how you doing today? What's going on, brother? Oh, everything is everything. Man, I was really enjoying our conversation before the show. I was like, oh, we got to save a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was getting good. So uh, for those that don't know you or haven't followed you, that's uh, just coming across you on Boss Talk Radio for the first time, um, tell them about yourself uh, and what it is that your company does, how you save other businesses. Yeah, so um, T. Simmons and Company is a brand development, organizational design and workforce development firm. So we we pretty much have two sides of the house. And I would imagine that the majority of uh, the viewers today are, you know, down the road because obviously this will be on multiple platforms where they can view it at their leisure. But um, I would imagine most of the viewers are small to medium sized business owners. So when it comes to small to medium sized businesses, uh, what we offer is holistic. So entrepreneurs show up at our doorstep at whatever point they are at in the progression. Uh, sometimes it's startups um, that really want to get a solid footing. Uh, but the majority of the time, it's businesses that have been around for a little while and the owner or you know the, the managing partner knows that he or she has taken it as far as they can take it without bringing in uh, some subject matter experts in some areas. And so they typically show up and number one, they want to elevate their brand. They want to uh, widen their footprint, so to speak. Um, so whether that means that they are, you know, maybe a brick and mortar business that is going virtual or, um, you know, they just want to grow their clientele. They want to grow their following on social media. Uh, they want to improve the clarity and the quality of their branding. Uh, typically, they show up for that. But when they show up for that and, you know, the, the trailer that you just played, spoke to it. Uh, I'll tell them in a second. It does me absolutely no good to make the leads come in on your website or grow your social media following, um, have you know new opportunities showing up at your doorstep. The phone is ringing, so to speak, and you don't have the systems and the talent in place in order to be able to handle it. Um, a lot of people think that, you know, cash flow, you know, that growth solves all your problems in business. And the truth is, is as hard as this is to, to accept, it actually creates more problems than it solves. Um, and so we just try to make sure that we not only promote the growth, 
but that we make sure that the business has the infrastructure, the processes, the systems, the technology, and the talent to handle the growth. Um, on when it comes to larger organizations, um, you know, oil and gas companies, um, healthcare providers, and things like that that are multi-million, sometimes multi-billion-dollar companies, we exclusively work with them uh, on training and development and workforce development. So with them, they just want us to either improve their existing team or improve their future workforce. Um, and what that means is a lot of times industries or companies that are like titans in the industry, they'll come and they'll say, hey, look, we did research. We're projecting that we're going to have a labor shortage in a, with a, you know, a certain occupation. And what they want us to do is to make sure that the bodies are there when they need to recruit them. So we don't we don't do recruiting per se. We just make sure that, you know, if a company is a 30 billion dollar company, they got, you know, 17,000 employees. They know what occupations they're going to need to hire in the next 12, 24, 60 months because they they know what's in their pipeline. They just want to make sure that the talent pool in the areas where they need to recruit them is large enough for them to get those bodies. So we just make sure that the talent's there. Now, it's up to them to attract it, but we make sure that the, the talent is there. So that, those are the two sides of the house. Small businesses, they show up pulling their hair out. Hey, take it. I, I've taken it as far as I can take it. I'm working 80 hours. I'm ready to get some people and some processes in place. And I'm tired of the DIY branding or the freelancers that I'm using ain't cutting it no more. I need to have a real brand strategy in place. We put the brand strategy in place. Then we say, all right. Now, once the web jumps, once the phone jumps, do you have the sales protocols? Do you have the customer service protocols? Do you have the talent? Do you have the, you know, proposal templates, whatever it is? Do you have all that stuff in place in order to be able to handle it? So those are the two sides of the house for us. And a lot to unpack. I tell people all the time the. Uh, Worst failure you could have is success that you're not prepared for <laughs> because that can yeah, make you sick. Yeah. And it can damage your brand uh, in a major way, you know, and if you're a large enough company, like there was actually a company I uh, worked for at one point, um, they tried a new vertical. It was extremely successful almost instantly and the pieces weren't in place, but they were large enough to kind of just struggle to through absorb. that. Yeah. The culture was deep enough that they could manage through that. And so those were kind of like lessons. And I, I'm listening at what you're saying about the brand strategy. You know, we have like, I mean, if I throw my hand back, I'm probably going to hit a social media guru. <laughs> like they're everywhere. Everywhere. Um, and the thing was, was that I remember early on when I started to hear the term uh, social media experts and whatnot, and I would, you know, reach out to them and no one could communicate the deliverables or the anticipated type of thing connected to any type of real strategy. And that was the disconnect uh, for me, which is why I could not bring any of them aboard because like, at some level, there should be a science to what you do. Yeah. And if it's not, 
then you can't really call yourself an expert at that because what are your expert in? There's no, at that point, it's just art, you know? So I think inherently I was just stuck on, okay, strategy works. Basically, I'm asking you to communicate to me what your strategy is, not your actionable steps, but the strategy and what results will I get from that strategy? The whole, well, follow your passion thing caught on, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And especially after the pandemic, everybody wanted to run out and be a business owner. You know, I'm not mad at that, but what are some of the things people should consider besides their unique God-given gift before saying, okay, I'm going to go into business doing this. Yeah. So, so let me, let me, before I answer that question, let me preface it with this Uh, because I think a lot of times uh, and and I I perceive that again, the majority of the people watching this are either small business owners, minority business owners, or both combination of both. Right. Uh, So maybe there's some diversity in the audience, but I think a lot of the listeners are probably, you know, African-American, Hispanic, um, of a certain age demographic and so forth. And so I want to speak to that specifically because there are some nuances when you talk about community and, and entrepreneurship. Whenever we start having these conversations in, quote unquote, our community, people check out because it seems way too intense. It seems way too far fetched to even put in place. And it's like there's this hybrid that they're trying to manage between the business and the fact that the business is their primary and sometimes only income vehicle. Mm-hmm. So we talking about all this strategy and playing a long game and investing in this, that, and the other, and people got bills to pay. And so that's one of the number one things that you have to be able to do as a young, new, or growing entrepreneur is to, yeah, take, you know, take the low hanging fruit. I understand you got overhead to cover, you got a payroll to meet and you got bills to pay, but you have to figure out how to both exist in the space that you're in and continue to invest in where you want to go. Right. If you now what happens in a lot of cases is, and I'm just, you know, we talked about being transparent. I don't, I'm not trying to beat up on my people. I'm telling you what I see. I've been doing this almost 30 years is that when we think we don't have the resources, we drove up in it. Like you drove up at my office in the Denali, but you telling me that you can't afford yeah. it, so that you can't afford a virtual assistant or whatever. You're right. living in it. You don't right. have, you may not be able to, you, it's going to be difficult to be first generation successful entrepreneur, first generation millionaire. And while you're doing it, living in a 3,200 square foot house. Come on. That's how you know, you might have to do the 1,800 square foot condo. That's going to be a lot more manageable for you. You might have to drive, you know, the Explorer instead of the Denali and take those resources and reinvest it in both yourself and your business. And so, you know, a lot of times you know, people showing up, they asking this and that about investors and business credit and uh, where can I small business loans and all this other type of stuff. Look, the majority of the time, unless you've got something proprietary that's technology driven that people can say, oh, yeah, you know, two years from now, if I put 100 grand in this, that 100 grand is going to be worth two million. If it's just another restaurant, another coaching business, you know, another healthcare clinic, whatever you're doing. There's not anything unique about that per se. 
So you're going to have to find the resources to and, and, and put that sweat equity into it in order to get it to the point where anybody else sees value in it. And by the time you get to that point, you might not even need the money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this is just the way it works. This is the way the right. game works. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to curb the lifestyle and realign your priorities and say, mm-hmm. well, maybe I do want to have Dallas Cowboys season tickets or Saints season tickets. Maybe I want to do Dubai. Maybe I want, you know, to wear the Gucci belt and the Prada shoes. And I'm not trying to say, look, I believe in personal branding. It's a staple of what we do. So how you present yourself is important, but there's a way to have affordable luxury in your life, right? but, but still be able to put money into your brand and into your business. So that Jerry, are, are you suggesting that people sacrifice? <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's what I heard. <laughs> I think yeah. that's because I mean, let's think about it. You know, we, we try to, and I, again, man, I don't want to turn this into a, that kind of session, but we, we try to apply strategies that don't apply to where we are as a business community. Right. So, so I'm going to say, people say, man, people, people tell me never to invest my own money. Go talk to 100 entrepreneurs and find me 10 of them that didn't put up some bread to start. Right. That business. That's good. You're going to be hard. It's going to be hard for you to find. You know what I'm saying? Again, unless it's something that's really a, a market disruptor. Right. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, it wasn't going to be hard for Uber to raise money and put taxis out of business. But you just want to open a barbecue joint. And I understand you think your barbecue ribs are the best, but that's subjective. Mm-hmm. And restaurants close every day. You know, fitness centers close every day. So ain't really nothing unique about that except for maybe you. And I don't know you like that. So what happens is you're going to have to take 20, 30, 50, 100,000 dollars of your own bread and put into it. And then when I see you've been in the game for 18, 24 months and and your clientele is good and your brand is good and you're saying I need 100K in order for me to grow it, then that's Mm -hmm. tangible because now I can look at some P&Ls. I can come into your establishment and see people actually having an experience. Wait, you, you can look at what? What? Some P&Ls. Profit loss, profit loss statement. You know what I'm saying? But but again, <laughs> I, look, I'm, uh, that's why I say, I don't, look, we could talk about this for the next two hours, but that wasn't a question that you asked me. No. I don't even remember the question that you asked me. You're amongst friends here. <laughs> <laughs> but but now, nah, but that's 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 really where it starts is is taking a step back and saying, now that goes back to what you were saying a second ago. And again, you know, you was telling people to take notes. I think everyone should ask themselves this question. You know, um, somebody that I respect immensely said, you know, you always plan to the end, right? So you start with the end in mind and then you reverse engineer that outcome. So if you just want to be self-employed, then be honest with yourself about that. And understand the opportunities and limitations that's going to come with it. But don't you're not going to be able to behave like you're self-employed and tell me that you want to build a business because those things are dramatically different. When you're self-employed, it's just what it says. You don't necessarily have to answer to a manager or answer to a boss per se. I mean, your customers are going to be your boss. But at the end of the day, you get to kind of set your own schedule. All right. You want to make 100 grand. Maybe you got a couple people around you that freelance and help you out. You know, you got some automation around you. Maybe you might gross 150 grand. You take 100 of that home. It affords you whatever lifestyle you want to live. And that's just it. The risk associated with that is obviously when you stop working, the money stops coming in. 
right? So there's a risk involved with that approach. Um, now, if you tell me that you want to actually grow a business, then at some point, the people and the systems become bigger than you and that business can function in your absence. Now, you, you, you may still have an operational role. You may still be the chief strategist. You may still be the, the primary salesperson, the general manager, whatever. But if you don't show up to turn the key, the business will still operate, right? Mm-hmm. So that's when you know that you you own a business. Um, and then when we start talking about being a true entrepreneur, well, being a true entrepreneur don't just mean I got three or four hustles and I don't punch a clock. When you get to where you are really an entrepreneur, it means that your money is working for you. So if, in other words, if I own one subway and I'm a general manager, I'm a business owner. If I own 23 subways and I got a general manager in each location or a regional manager that reports to me, then I'm a business owner because I'm looking at P&Ls. I'm making informed decisions about where I'm going to open the next one, you know, how to move money around that type of thing. And so, but again, like you, you were saying, when we were talking backstage, it's like, we, it's, that's a hybrid to us. It's all the same. We just use it as interchangeable terms, business owner, entrepreneur, self-employed. We think it's all the same and it's really not. And look, they got some people that I know that they just want to be self-employed and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I know some very successful real estate um, agents, for example, that they don't want to manage agents. They don't want to have a brokerage or a firm or whatever you want to say. They just want to sell houses, get their commission, have a network of appraisers and you know, and this, that, and the other that they maybe refer business to. They make their 180 grand, they pay their taxes, 30%, whatever, and they do it again next year. They can still retire a millionaire because if they're putting that money in the right places, then they're fine. But they don't want to manage people. They don't want to manage systems. They don't want to train anyone. They just want to sell houses. That's fine. Someone that's a graphic designer, that's like, I, I just want to build websites in my pajamas. I want to design logos. I don't want to do all the other stuff. You know, 120 grand freelancer, pay some taxes. Nothing wrong with that. But once you say you want to be a business owner or an entrepreneur, then what happens is that's rooted in self-deprivation until the business becomes big enough to be able to take care of both your personal desires and its own needs. And that's hard. You know what I'm saying? So so I know I'm, I kind of went on a rant on that. But if you could live on 70 grand, then live on the 70. Don't rob your business and pay yourself 120, 140, 150 and then show up at George's doorstep saying I need, you know, tax planning or I need, you know, I need a, a contract CFO, but I can't afford to pay you. Brother, you but you was at Bayou Classic. You was on. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being for real. Like, you, you will make people think I'm trying to be antagonistic, George. I'm not. I mean, I'm just. I just see it play out all the time. Okay. We're gonna take. We're gonna, wow. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, Terry's gonna uh, talk to you guys about what business strategy really means. The different components of a holistic uh, strategy. And if you're interested in being a business owner, what that would look like for you to go from this place to this place, because we don't want to just tell you like, you know, okay, 
it's this, but we want to give you some actionable steps that you guys can kind of look around, some questions you can ask yourself about what this will look like for you, and then start to consider the uh, investment. And if you think you don't have the money, uh, we were talking backstage, and what we were saying was, oftentimes cash flow is not the issue. Cash mismanagement is. Right. And if that's the case, you need to get with Sharita right away. We'll be back right after this. Did you know the IRS just hired more than 50,000 new agents? Most of these agents specialize in collections that are mandated to audit small businesses and increase collections on individuals. IRS notices can be intimidating, but waiting to act could cost you your valuable taxpayer rights. Don't try to handle the IRS alone. These agents are trained to track you into agreements designed to collect as much money as possible. Don't pay thousands of dollars to a marketing company claiming to be a tax resolution firm. Get behind the shield. The enrolled agents at Elite A Tax and Financial Services are experts at tax resolution, protecting taxpayers' rights, and are federally licensed to represent taxpayers before the IRS. Elite A Tax and Financial Services has the knowledge, skill, and experience to assist you with audit representation, liens, levies, offers and compromise, innocent spouse relief, wage garnishment, back taxes, and more. Don't lose sleep, time, or your rights as a taxpayer. Make your appointment today at EliteAidFinancial.com to schedule a consultation and get the IRS off your back. Get behind the shield. She cute. Style, comfort, and confidence. Shop with the trend in mind. She cute. Get the latest styles in outerwear, tops, jumpsuits, hats, and accessories. She cute. Shop from the comfort of your own home with confidence and quality products, hassle-free exchange, and free shipping over $65. She Cute. Visit us online at SheCuteBoutique.com to shop our new fall collection. This is Dr. Tamia Guest with Rejuvenating Chiropractic. This is Nera Reed with Modified Nutrition Health Coach. This is Karen Marcel with June Street Barbershop. This is Tiffany Marcel with Marcel Luxury Realty, and you're listening to Boss Talk Radio. We're back on Boss Talk Radio in the studio with Mr. Terry Simmons. And uh, we were talking about the transition from being self-employed to being a business owner to actually becoming an entrepreneur and really clearing up what that means. And so on this next part, what we want to talk about is because, well, first and foremost, we're not going to position shame anybody. So if you are self-employed and that's what you want to do, you know, that's great by all means. I mean, there's some self-employed people making excess of a quarter million dollars a year or whatever. And if you learn how to invest that thing, you know, and do some tax planning, Terry mentioned earlier about real estate agents paying 30%. If you're paying 30% on 180, you need to come talk to me real quick. But outside of that, so um, Terry, what, when we talk about a holistic business strategy, let's start with, tell everybody, what are the components of a holistic business strategy? Yeah. So for me, the foundation is always defining the brand, okay? And uh, I think where a lot of entrepreneurs, self-employed, business owners, whatever category we want to speak to, uh, where, where they go wrong is that they go straight to the creative and the call to action. So it's like, 
oh, well, I know I want to have a blue logo because blue is my favorite color. And, you know, I want a swan in the logo because, you know, I love swans. It's my favorite animal. And, you know, they just there's no structure to their creative thought or to the creative process. So the first thing you got to do. And again, I'm going to preface this by saying this. It's going to sound intense. It's going to sound like a long term proposition. And it's going to sound like, well, how can I do that and attack real-time opportunities and attack my real-time need to generate business? Let me say this. There are multi-billion dollar companies that all of the pieces of the puzzle that I'm going to talk about right now, they got almost unlimited resources and they still don't have it figured out. So I don't want any of the entrepreneurs that's listening right now to feel shamed or to feel like this is too intense or that it's going over their heads. There are some entrepreneurs out there that are much further along in their progression than I am, and they know way more about this stuff than I do. And, you know, so I don't want them to feel like they're deficient or that they're incapable of doing what I'm describing. But going back to it, you got to define the brand. So what does that mean? Okay, so it starts internal. Okay, what are the values of the organization? How are we going to convert those values into a brand story, into a brand message? Okay. well, how do we how do we go about framing that? Well, we got to think about our target market because there are millions of coaches. There are millions of restaurants. There are millions of fitness centers. There are millions of, you know, uh, life coach, whatever it is that you do. Online boutiques. All y'all got access to the same products. Right. So what's going to differentiate your brand from the next brand is going to be the brand story and the brand values. That's where really what creates our connectivity to brands that we consume. That emotional connection majority of the time has to do with the brand story. I mean, we're not going to sit here and act like the quality of the craftsmanship of Nike is so much better than Reebok or so much better than Adidas or so much better than uh, you know, Under Armour, that they should have the amount of market share that they have. What Nike does better than all of its competitors is tell stories. They've been telling us to just do it and inspiring us, you know, at this point for, I don't know, 40, 50 years. And so it's one of those things where on a smaller scale, you're trying to do the same thing. You're trying to take the, the values of your organization, your brand story, and you're trying to break that thing down in a way that will attract and engage and inspire and empower an audience. And it doesn't matter what the nature of your business is, because sometimes people think, well, I'm in the I'm in the trucking business or I'm in healthcare That doesn't apply. That's not true. It's applicable to every business. OK, so you got to get in a room and first of all, define it. Like, What's my values? What's the brand story? Well, in order to do that, you got to think about the graphics. Right. So you got to think about the demographic that you're targeting. And then that demographic has a certain psychographic, like how do they think? Where do they live? Where do they work? Where do they play? Where do they pray? And and, and you start to get a a, a profile, a makeup of what your ideal customer is. Now, don't get me wrong. You're going to have customers that are on the peripheral, right? I mean, who Gucci is targeting and who consumes Gucci uh, largely Maybe slightly different, but that target market is what kind of sets the standard, right? And so you got to do the same thing for your business. Uh, and when you do that, what you what you'll realize is that you're gaining 
a much deeper understanding of who exactly are you talking to. So it's not just enough to say I'm talking to African-American women. That's not enough. You got to drill down further than that because African-American women are not a monolith. That's the right word. There's diversity within African-American women, age, religion, lifestyle, you know, family configuration, education and so on and so forth. But a lot of times what we think is we don't have the resources to do that kind of research and that type of strategizing and thought work. But you do. You got more access to that information now than ever in the history of the world because other companies are doing it for you. All you got to do is just go find the research that they've already done. And so it it starts there. You you, got to really understand who you're targeting, how they think, how they move, how they live and start crafting a brand story that isn't going to be engaging to that audience. The next thing that you got to do is that you got to make sure that you got the right business infrastructure in place. Okay. And a lot of times, again, when we say this word, people check out, we can talk about, you know, social media marketing all day long and you're going to have thousands of people tuning in, you know, how to increase your followers, how to generate leads, all that type of stuff. As soon as we start to throw that word out there, we talk about infrastructure, we talk about financial systems, all that type of stuff. People check out because it's, it's quite honestly, it's not the fun part of business. Like nobody goes into business to think about that stuff. You go into business because you're passionate about a product or service and you think you can carve a slice out in the marketplace for yourself. But how far a business, I'll use this analogy. So the product and the brand part of it is like the exterior of a car. Right. So we're looking at the rims. We're looking at the design of it. Is it aerodynamic? What's the color of it? You know, uh, go on the interior. It got leather seats and all these different features. But the truth is that car ain't going nowhere if that engine under the hood is not working. So for the for a business, the engine, the engine is the infrastructure. All right. So. First of all, it starts with, do you have the right legal legal structure in place? Okay, so yeah, it's easy to go get an LLC, but not everybody's supposed to be just an LLC. Not everybody's supposed to be an S-Corp. Not everybody's supposed to be, you know, a C-Corp. Not everybody's supposed to be a for-profit or non-profit or a social enterprise. You got to really think about what's going to be the ideal structure for you. And if you don't have an answer, then just go pay somebody that <laughs> went to school a long time to tell you. Uh and that and, and, and let me say this. So a lot of times you can be like, OK, well, I only got five grand to start this business. I know I need this piece of equipment. I know I need this. I don't need that. I don't have money to be paying this person or that person. So I'm just going legal zoom and just do it myself early on in my business. Before I really had the resources, if there was one unique characteristic about me is that I understood that an investment in my infrastructure today was going to continue to pay dividends decades down the, down the road. So so I, back in 2003, 2004, 2005, when $475 an hour for an attorney sounded obscene to me, I spent it to get, you know, um, professional services agreements, partnership agreements and things like that in place. And now they're templates. Now, I'm not trying to say that those templates don't get tweaked based on the opportunity that's in front of me. But it, it taught me legal jargon and structure about co- negotiating commercial leases and things like that, that I've been using now for the past, you know, 17, 18 years. And so the point is, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You, if you don't feel the burn and you're not 
you're not investing deep enough. Uh, so you got to make that investment. So go go find you an attorney, get on a you know on a calendar for two or three hours, and let them advise you on the legal structure that you need. Go talk to somebody that's well versed in business credit and let them advise you on. Okay, it's cool that you set up the Dun and Bradstreet profile, right. but you got to build the profile out. And you got to have the right accounts that are reporting things like that. To, excuse me for you to be able to build that business credit and be able to separate the business from the personal at some point. Technology. Well, the beauty in this time and space, look, when I, when I initially got in business, you had to invest in the hardware. So tech, so technology, technology investments for small business owners, if they, if that wasn't what they were actually selling in a sense, it was difficult to go spend, you know, $10,000 on a server and, you know, uh, you'd be able to network your computers and all that type of stuff you know, if you were running a boutique small business. So most businesses just didn't have it. Now, that's no longer the case. Everything is pretty much turnkey, subscription-based, 40 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, just that. Other. Now, you're probably going to have 16 of those applications that you're using to run <laughs> your business. But at the end of the day, for a couple grand a month, you're probably replacing what would have been a manual process or, you know, manual labor that someone had to do. So even though you might be spending two grand a month on subscriptions to run your business, if you had to have an administrator that was doing all of that stuff on a monthly basis, you probably would spend two or three times that. Mm-hmm. So, so the point is you can't look at it like what you're spending. You got to look at it like what you're, saving. These, what you're saving. There are these functions in your business that have to be accounted for and you're just finding the most efficient way to do it. So the technology piece. Now, what am I talking about? Well, everyone on this that's watching this video is already doing it. They're probably just not doing it with any continuity. So everybody's like, I use this for my calendar. I got this plug in on my website to book appointments. I got this, you know, that I use to develop proposals. I got this over here, you know, that, you know, uh, so, uh, a social media widget or whatever, whatever the case is. You got all these different things that are kind of helping you to run your business. But what you got to do is you got to sit back and think about your industry. You got to think about the nature of your business and put together those applications with some continuity. Mm-hmm. So, again, that might require you to go talk to someone that is well versed in business systems. I mean, you know, obviously my organization does some of that, but um, there, there, are, there are a bunch of them out there that do that, you know, where they'll, they'll come in and they'll say, all right. Talk to me about your sales processes. Talk to me about your customer service processes. Talk to me about your fulfillment processes. If you are delivering a certain product or service, do you have a project management system? What plugins do you have on your website? And let's put together, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14 different applications. And then as best we can, let's have those applications to talk to each other. So that's when we start talking about integration. And again, I'm not trying to go over anyone's head. I'm not a guru on this stuff. I know just enough about it to be dangerous and I can surround <laughs> myself with people who know much more about it than I do. But at the end of the day, that's what we all are trying to do. You know, you're trying to have a situation where somebody makes a purchase on your website. You get a notification. The person that's supposed to follow up, you know, with or maybe it's an automated message that goes to them, thanking them for becoming a customer. You then you want to start the onboarding process, confirming that all the information that they gave you is accurate. All of this stuff can be done more efficiently with automation, but you got to understand that you're, you're going to people that do this extremely well. 
they're not cheap, <laughs> you know, and you might think you can get a virtual assistant or somebody to do it. And they may move you forward a little bit, but it's not going to be what you think it is. You need to hire somebody that's going to sit back and really evaluate your business and then say, OK, these are the eight to 10 applications you need to use. Now let's write some processes associated with this. And now let's go about integrating them and then, you know, deploying that system. So infrastructure is important. Again, that infrastructure is legal. It's brand. It is technological. It's human resources. And look, some of you on this call, you're like, well, I don't have employees. You know, I got a couple of freelancers, you know, somebody that snapped pictures of me to put on social media, whatever. I don't need that. But if you if you aspire to grow your business to the point where you're going to have employees, invest in your HR structure and protocols before that first hire. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, that first hire is going to have a horrible experience with your organization. I guarantee you they got dozens of people that will watch this video that when they went to hire their first person, they just put an ad on Monster or put an ad on Indeed or put an ad on CareerBuilder.com. And when they got that first resume, they didn't have any processes in place. So they just emailed a person back and say, when can you when can you interview? They didn't have structured interview questions. They didn't have a scoring rubric, you know, where they could jot down notes and rate the person in different areas. Uh, if their business requires critical thinking or computation or whatever, like in your case, George, you, you know, you're dealing with people's, you know, wealth. You're dealing with their their taxes and things of that nature. So although the softwares that you utilize do the heavy lifting, you still need people that are competent in certain areas. So, you know, if I was advising your company, I would say, hey, look, let's find a really inexpensive uh, competency test that only may take the applicant 15, 20, 30 minutes to complete. But at least you get a sense of whether or not what that person put on the resume, because everybody going to put on the resume today. I, I'm, a, I'm a great troubleshooter. I learned fast, you know, all this different stuff. You know, I'm great at solving problems. And uh, the first time they got to type up an email on your behalf, it's more misspelled words and grammatical errors than a little bit. And you're like, goodness gracious, you know what I'm saying? I got to I got to take this person back to fifth grade English. But you could have prevented or at least at the very least known that that was a deficiency of theirs. If there was something competency based in place that forced them to write a couple of paragraphs. Right. And so and so all I'm saying is all this stuff is already out there. You don't have to go create it, you know, right. and and it just it's like anything else. You just you, you, you design that applicant process, you know, step one, I get the resume. OK, well, what's the minimum criteria for you to set up an interview with this person? And then after the first interview, what determines who gets to the second interview? You know, once it's time to make a hire, do you just have an offer letter template? You could be surprised how far that'll go. An applicant gets an offer letter with your you know, logo at the top and it, it it lays out their scope of responsibilities, what the salary is, what the expectation is. Can they work from home? Can they work? Do they come into office? Is it hybrid? Whatever. It communicates to that particular individual that they're dealing with a professional organization. Um, let, me, let me ask you a question, Terry. I, w- I want to make a U-turn. Go ahead. Right. Uh, I want you to come back and, and pick some people up on this because I know somebody's watching this right now and they're thinking to themselves, oh, he's talking about some real high level stuff for once you have uh, a team and everything. And I, I don't want the message to get missed of, you know, you want to put on your shoes before you start running, not mm-hmm. trying to put them on while you're running. Right. Uh, have you. And so when people are looking at that, because when you're looking at these structures and these processes or whatever, 
I don't want people to feel like they have to know everything. No. Ahead of time. No. You know, the community, and I think this is what gets lost when you, you, you were talking about, you know, I know you were concerned with like, you know, coming across as if you were uh, putting people down or whatever, but that there's a real thing here where sometimes there's uh, financial trauma or environmental trauma to where people feel the need to look like they're doing better than at least the people in their immediate circle. Right. And in the process, there's kind of a pride that comes along with that where they don't seek out the help or what have you. But um, uh, Sharita and I use the term ecosystem all the time. And the reason being is because we circulate so much money (laughs) in our circles, you know, it's ridiculous and everybody can't get in, you know, but when we have a situation where somebody presents value and they operate in integrity or what have you, you know, then, then we we're looking at them and like, Hey, okay. You know, we may have some people we can send to you, but we have our reputations with our brand and our clients that we just can't make, you know, blanket referrals because we had a drink and pass business cards. You know? right, right. So in, in that, in that same spirit, you mentioned earlier the people that are, you know, well, how do I pay my bills right now and then deal with this too? And I know somebody else is saying, well, how do I get that much time out of a day to, you know, wear all of these hats, you know, develop a, a HR thing and uh, sweep the floor at the same time. Clear that up for make, make it make sense as the young people say. <laughs> yeah. So I guess maybe two or three points when it comes to that. I'm, I'm going to reiterate something that we've already emphasized is that, number one, you can't be intimidated by the process, because if you are a, a true entrepreneur, you really want to grow a business. You want to you want to have, you know, strong revenue. You want to have a team. You really want to grow something that's bigger than yourself. The process that we are describing on this podcast is a lifelong process. You don't you don't arrive at a point where you're like, whew, I mastered it. It's the reason why companies do strategic planning and they revise things and you know they revisit their KPIs every year because this thing is always evolving. So the first thing you got to do is commit to the process ongoing. Whether you own a bakery, whether you own a gym, whether you are an automotive mechanic and you got a shop, whether you got an online boutique, if you're an online coach. If you're selling digital courses, it doesn't matter. The process that we're describing is just like working out. You can't work out really hard for two years and stop and then, you know, live a long, healthy life. That's maintenance that you're going to do four or five times a week for the rest of your life if you're serious about it. It's the same thing with what we're describing. When we talk about improving your brand, improving your processes, improving your people, and all of that, improving your technology, it's going to be an ongoing process. Just get started. Start where you are. Start with the knowledge and understanding that you have, the resources that you have to invest in it, the people that you have around you. Just start where you are. It's like I said earlier, um, there are companies that have unlimited. There are companies right now that's doing $47 billion in annual revenue 
that do not have a talent management platform for recruiting. They are literally still managing wow. their hiring needs in an Excel spreadsheet. Wow. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. There are, there are $300, $400 million companies that don't have a new hire orientation. Wow. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you who I deal with. So for someone that is only doing 40000 in revenue or 400000 in revenue or $4 million in revenue, I don't want you to feel like you're deficient because you haven't addressed all this stuff. Because you just started where you were. You, you probably are a practitioner that was extremely good at your craft. You are an attorney that can go in the courtroom and you know how to move and you started a firm. Now you got three or four attorneys that are partners of yours or employees of yours. And now you're having to think about all this stuff. You know, we got leads coming from the website. We got this, we got that payroll, this, that, and the third. And so it's an ongoing process. And we do this, like I, I do this for, and it's still like, I got, I got gaps in my own organization and I'm always have gaps. Mm-hmm. But the point is that I understand those gaps. I know that they need to be addressed. I prioritize and I, and, and I address it. And so, so the first thing is don't be intimidated about starting. The second thing is something we've said repeatedly is that if you want to grow it beyond you, or beyond you and your partner, or beyond you, your partner, and your administrative assistant, it's going to require an ongoing investment. Most of you that are watching this video, you don't come for money. So you're trying to be first generation, have a lifestyle. You're trying to be first generation, build a financial legacy. You're trying to be first generation, you know, leave something behind. It's going to be difficult to do that and live an extravagant lifestyle early on in the development of your business. So what a lot of small business owners do is because saying I'm an entrepreneur is a status symbol for a lot of people. So we think that it's a problem if you're an entrepreneur that's only, I don't know, got a $50,000 salary. But when you was on your job that you left because you felt undervalued, you had a $50,000 salary. The reason why you had a $50,000 salary is because your operational role in that business that's what it pays, 50000 So then you can't go into business for yourself and pay yourself $150,000 for, <laughs> for the same. Like you didn't get that much better just because you you went into business for yourself. And so what happens is, is, is my, my next point, is that we steal from ourselves. Ooh. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, we, we trying to watch our employees make sure they ain't going in the cash register. But the entrepreneurs themselves be the biggest thieves in their businesses. Where the collection plate? <laughs> y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. You paying your kids' private school tuition out of the business account, and you know mm. when you when you don't have it in your personal account, and you won't go. Oh man, you know, Georgia Bulldogs playing national championship game. I'm going to the game from Atlanta. I'm going to the game. You know what I'm saying? I got 50 yard line, but that wasn't in the budget. You just went and spent two grand on them tickets, right. and you didn't have it personally. You 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 had 157 thousand dollars in your business bank account. And you went and pulled 2000 of that to go do something that you wanted to do. When you touch back on budget, that that yeah. seemed to keep Ooh. coming up, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's so hard. It's, it's hard, hard, man. It's hard. Middle, I, I know better. I know better. I know better. And I don't always do better. I know better. And I don't always mm-hmm. do better. I'll give you an example. I bought my daughter a car when she graduated from high school a couple months, a few months ago. And, I, you know, 
she could have she would have been okay with a Civic. Mm-hmm. I went and got her a BMW. Mm-hmm. That was my ego. I wanted my daughter to have a BMW. Mm-hmm. I want my baby in a BMW. She really just needed to be in a reliable vehicle, mm-hmm. right? Well, not only the cost, but the cost of maintenance, right? right? And so right. as an entrepreneur, that was an irresponsible purchase. My 18-year-old mm-hmm. daughter didn't need a BMW. You see what I'm saying? Now, 90% of the time, I'm very, very, very disciplined when it comes to that stuff. Very disciplined. So for, for Christmas, for example, I didn't lie to myself and say, I just need to treat myself. I deserve it and all that type of stuff. <laughs> my, my team gave me a list. Videographers and video editors gave me a list of equipment, a wish list of equipment. And there were three or four things on that list that I went and got. And that was my birthday. I mean, that was my Christmas gift to myself. Mm-hmm. I improved our audiovisual equipment. And that'll pay dividends. You know, that stuff will be right. good for a couple of years and that'll pay huge dividends. I could have went and did something else. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. would have been much more stimulating to me, much more gratifying to me. But at the end of the day, you know, we needed the equipment. And so, you know, my point is, is that self-deprivation. Now, I don't mean that you don't have a lifestyle. I'm not a proponent for that. I'm not a proponent. You got to live. And you should enjoy life. We don't know how long we're going to be here. But at the same time, shouldn't like that I said, be relative though? Like, I mean, absolutely. You know, I see people doing the thing where, okay, over here, you had the, as you put it, the $50,000 job, yep. but then you had uh, $40,000 uh, in credit. So you end up living a 90 grand lifestyle perpetuously, right. uh, you know. And right. find yourself so far in the hole after five years, God forbid, you get sick or lose the job or whatever, because now you have, you know, all of this debt and no income to even just hedge against it to hold it off. But you kind of live that lifestyle. Then they become an entrepreneur. They have, you know, a business owner and they have, you know, a great month in sales. And it's like, hey, let's ball out. Yeah. You know, like that's automatically hey, going to yeah. come back next month. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. And we and we and we posting the, the Shopify report. Let everybody see. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is what it is. But but let me say this though. Let me say this. Let me say this. And again, I, I like, I'm, you know, y'all see it happening. I, I want to make it. I want to make it community specific, particularly when we talk about female business owners and African-American business owners, here's the problem. The people that we're trying to impress, they don't understand entrepreneurship, so they don't really know how to appraise where we are financially or socially. And I'll give you an example. True story. So, and, and the only reason why I stopped, I will, I will eventually start again, but I stopped because of the pandemic. So from 2011 until 2019, I had um, uh, club basketball teams that I sponsored every summer, okay? Most of the, the kids, let's say if we had 15 kids per team, nine or 10 of those kids were from challenged socioeconomic backgrounds. So they, they, they didn't have the resources to pay travel fees, uniform, you know, all this different stuff, right? So my company was sponsoring it. We were paying for it all, right? Uh, on an average... Because I had a girls' team or a girls' club and a boys' club, and so on average, I would spend twenty-five to thirty grand per club per summer, okay, on 
traveling these kids to Houston and Dallas and, you know, Atlanta and Orlando and all they, we staying in four star hotels. We're going to restaurants that they probably wouldn't have otherwise eaten at. I'm taking them on college tours. I'm doing all this stuff and I'm going somewhere with this. While I was doing that, I was driving a Hyundai. I was driving. It was a it was a hybrid. Uh, my, my oldest daughter was uh, playing junior college basketball about three hours from here, three and a half hours from Baton Rouge. So I would hop in the hybrid. I could drop 40 bucks in it and I could almost drive there and back on one tank of gas. Nobody in my community thought I had money. Because I was traveling the kids around. But I could have went and got a Range Rover with one summer's worth of sponsorship money and everybody would have thought that I was balling out of control. So what I'm what I'm saying to the entrepreneurs on the call is that you got to be emotionally intelligent when it comes to that. Your family members might not think you winning because they can't see the subscriptions that you're paying for. They don't see what your payroll report is. They don't see you investing right. in coaches. They don't see what you're spending on going to conferences. They don't see what you're investing in licenses and insurance. And if they did, they still wouldn't even understand it. So in other words, once you decide that that's the lifestyle that you're going to live, this entrepreneurship lifestyle, you have to basically abort the thought process that I got to show it in order for it to be real. Because you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna run yourself in a financial rut trying to play that game. By trying right. to drive, oh. they want to see you drive and you want to wear what they want to see you wear. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of some of the people on this call, they're in a lifestyle industry. So keep on buying Gucci and Prada and posting your travel pics because that's generating business for you. If you're in the entertainment mm-hmm. space, if you're doing something where people expect you to live a certain lifestyle or else they won't do business with you, then keep on living that lifestyle because that's a business expense for you. But somebody that's got, you know, a mental health rehab clinic, you know, with three employees that's grossing 380,000 shouldn't be bringing a $200,000 salary home so that they can project to the community that they win it. They should be bringing an $80,000 salary home and putting that other 120 back into the business so that at some point they can step away from the business. And then that's the ultimate bad drop. Yes. Dame that should say, right. Um, but 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 again, that might be a twelve fifty. That, 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 that was gold right there. Right. We're gonna rewind button because I, I don't want to miss <laughs> that one. Look, he just told you the key. He gave you the keys to the exit strategy. Run run, run that one by him one more time because I don't want to miss that one. Well, so all right, and I don't want to go too deep, but and I've been guilty of this as well, right? So and you know this, George. Majority of our businesses will never be sold or transferred because mm-hmm. they wasn't built for that. They, they, they're they built around one person's skill set, around one person's personal brand. So it's an income vehicle for that person. And then they get to a certain point where they want to cash out, but they can't. And the reason why you can't cash out was because over the years, when you could have lived on that $80,000 salary and put that other forty or $50,000 into your infrastructure, into your brand, into your people, into some succession planning. Like, all right, look, you know, I'm, when I hit 55, I'm going to check out, but I know I've been grooming someone and that, that someone don't have to be your son or your daughter, by the way. I've been grooming someone to take the business over. You never made that investment because, again, you were showing up in the six series and, you know what I'm saying, rocking the Prada and taking the trips and all this, that, and the other because somebody told you that, as an entrepreneur, you are entitled to that. And look, if that's if that's how you want to play the game, then I'm not talking to you. 
So this is not judgment. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to people that are not coming from a financial legacy. Like nobody died and left you a $750,000 life insurance policy for you to start your life. You started your life at maybe at the very best at zero. Right. Mm -hmm. So you had to you had to, you know, go and educate yourself. You probably worked a job. You transitioned from the job. You started a business. You don't have a lot of working capital. Maybe you got a partner. Y'all both sweat equity and bootstrapping it. I'm talking to those people because that's the majority of people that start businesses. Right. And if that's you, then, OK, we all watch Shark Tank, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So think about Shark Tank. These people show up and, 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 and you know, Kevin O'Leary or, you know, Mark Cuban will say, well, what's your sales right now? A lot of times these people will say uh, we're projected this year to do eight million in sales. Now, <laughs> right. they might not be anybody that's watching this podcast that's doing eight million in sales right now. And I'm not saying that based on the viewership. I'm just saying based on the total number of businesses and what percentage do seven or eight figures. It's a minuscule percentage. When you start talking about minorities that do seven figures, it's negligible, I guess would be the right, the right Mm -hmm. word. We talk about female entrepreneur, female African-American owned businesses. I think it might be three or 4%. It's a very, yes, it's it's, it's a negligible number, right? So that's again. So when y'all watching all these folks on Instagram, talk about they're doing seven figures, a lot of them lying. They just are. They might have had a they might have had a six figure month or maybe they launched a course and it just took off or whatever. But a sustainable seven figure business. Look, when you're doing seven figures, guess who knows? There's two it's two two regulatory bodies that definitely know. The, the Department of Labor, the Department of Labor know and the IRS right. know. Right. Right. So, so I'm going to always go to their websites to see what the truth is out here. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying and the truth says and it's a very small percentage that are doing those numbers. And so. Having said that, if you if you want to ascend from where you are, first generation, not a lot of working capital, probably not a lot of relationships. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you I used to tell people this all the time. How many CEOs you got in your phone? Now I ain't talking about somebody that just own a business. I'm talking about somebody that's a CEO that re, that reports mm-hmm. to a board. Mm-hmm. You, you ain't got that many CEOs in your phone. Now I'm talking about a ten. So you you're building those relationships. You're building your own. Um, business acumen, you're building your own financial capacity and all this stuff is happening simultaneously. It's going to be hard for you to do that and drive to Denali and live in a 3,200 square foot house and rock Prada and put your kids in private school and take the cruise twice a year and go to Dubai and have the Dallas Cowboys and Saints season tickets. That's hard. So what happens is you're going to have to choose in most cases. And so most people choose the lifestyle and they rape the business. And then when they need the business to be a resource to them, the business don't have the capacity because George, what you, okay. What they do, George, they show up and they say, Hey, George, uh, I did, I did 1.5 million in sales this year and I brought home $350,000. I didn't pay any payroll taxes. I didn't do any tax planning and I need you to make half of this go away. Okay. now you may be able to legally make it go away with permissible whatever. It's not what happens. Now the business looks anemic on paper Mm -hmm. because you did one point five. You expensed that dollar seven fifty. Then you made your personal income. You brought home three hundred, but you made it look like you only did sixty. And then what happens is now when you need to go get a line of credit, lease a piece of equipment, whatever the case is, the business doesn't look. You know, healthy on paper. And so. You got to make a decision. And again, I'm not trying to say that this is a 
this is not linear. I've had stretches where I did extremely well at what I'm describing. And then mm-hmm. there, there were certain things uh, when Katrina happened for a few years after Katrina, I wasn't good at what I'm describing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, when the great flood in Baton Rouge happened in 2016, I had a couple of years when I got off, you know, off kilt a little bit because, you know, things start happening around you. I, I'm selling properties. I'm getting rid of, car, you know, I'm doing different things to try to streamline and consolidate and things like that. So I get it. it this is not one of them things where it's like, it's just on autopilot all the time. Right, but it's but a difference it, between the choice and the circumstance. Right, like the circumstance, exactly. But it, it starts with the mindset is all I'm saying. And the, and the first way to, you know, the first step to, to stepping into that mindset is you got to be desensitized to what people around you think. Outside right. of your spouse and your kids and maybe a few other people, your business partners and things like that, your clients and your vendors, you got to kind of disconnect with how the world thinks because the majority of the world you got two types of people, right? You got employers and employees. If you look at the percentage of people that are actually employers, it's a it's it's this this percentage. And particularly when you start talking about the African American community, I think we have. Don't quote me on these numbers because it's been a while since I looked at it. But I think we might have like almost three million African American owned businesses in this country, and only a cumulative one million employees that work for those companies. Check those numbers because it's been a while since I looked at it. So what that says is that we're a community of what? Self-employed people. You know, I took heat on, I made a statement and I took a lot of heat on it. I told, I made the statement that if you don't have payroll, you don't have a business and boy, they can't be. You're going to always care because they're going to be like, you know, people come up with the most obscure examples to justify because I, I took heat let me tell you when I took heat I took similar heat uh so I I did these this series called million dollar myths right uh mm-hmm. and I stopped doing it because I don't get on social media to be antagonistic but I meant to be provocative with those myths right so I was just saying crazy stuff like uh nonprofits have to have profits you know I'm you know people mm-hmm. I got a nonprofit but you still got a profit uh, uh and one of the ones that I said is you pulling up at Starbucks for your meeting in your Audi. Your your priorities are out of out of alignment because you need to go get an office. Mm-hmm. Now right. people came at me. I was sitting next to somebody in Starbucks the other day that negotiated a million dollar deal sitting right next to me, and I'm like, "Y'all <laughs> missing the point." I, 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 I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that as everyone should right. have a brick and mortar uh-huh. space. Right. What I'm saying is, is if it's applicable to you. Go trade in the Audi. Go get the Honda Accord. Get a really nice one because I want. I don't want you pulling up looking crazy. Mm-hmm. Get the Honda Accord and then go get you a space where you can create a client experience where you can convene your team. That is going to be an extension of your brand. If that don't apply to you, we'll be able to control what's going on around you because you can't absolutely. control what happens in Starbucks. Exactly. There's a blender going. You know, I don't know what's going on. So, <laughs> so my point is, it's like, it's like. If it applies, then just take the lesson in it. All I'm saying is <laughs> if you're sitting back saying, man, you know, I can't wait till I grow to the point where I can have my own space. And and, and, and somebody said something to me because um, at the time, um, so I was leasing an office. About, my office, was, I don't know, probably about 3,200 square feet, uh, centralized in Baton Rouge and town center. And um had invested a lot into that space, but it was a lease. 
And so someone kind of brought that up because I guess they thought that they were going to, I got him, right? Like he don't own the space. So, you know, really you just building someone else's equity. And I said, the traffic count in front of that office alone and my, mar- and, my, and my marquee sign totally pays for having that space. Why? Well, contact Lamar Advertising and ask them how much it is to get a paper billboard, like one mm-hmm. of the posters, right? That's a smaller billboard at eye level. You know, you could easily in Baton Rouge pay 12, 15, 1800 bucks a month for one of those, right? Mm-hmm. And so my thing is the number of people that passed by and saw T. Simmons and company, T. Simmons all day. A lot of times when I would meet people, particularly if they were from the region, they would say, oh, I passed by Mm -hmm. there all the time. So it was what? Instant credibility. Instant. Yes. I'm not. There are certain there are certain contracts that my company has that if we didn't have a physical space, it it, it has nothing to do with our capacity to do the business. Mm -hmm. It's just that people want to do business with peers. So we wouldn't get certain deals if I couldn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can meet at my office, you know, and and, and even now, you know, and it, well, even then, as a matter of fact, I had an office and memberships at co-working spaces, you know, where we could, you know, convene for different reasons, shoot content, whatever. And and I still maintain that because that's important to me. It's an extension of the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, my point is that a lot of times we. We don't want to hear the truth because it stings and it's triggering. Um, but if it applies, then, you know, just take the lesson in it. And the lesson we've talked about a lot, but I think the main lesson is if you want to grow a business, then you're going to have to be willing to allocate resources where you're going to get a return on those resources. And that return may not always be one to one and it may not always be immediate. You know, you, you may make that investment this year and it may pay dividends in 2024. Um, but I can guarantee you the Gucci belt for most of you is not going to pay <laughs> any dividends whatsoever. So, so Terry, you, you, you said a number of times you have to make the, uh, the type of investments that's going to bring a return, uh, as it relates to your business. Sometimes when people are starting, they don't have the business experience they just have whatever this gift is. Yep. What should they do to find out uh, how uh, to find out which investments they should make? Like I always tell people, you have to make data driven decisions. Well, the data is in the the bookkeeping and whatnot, but there's another component when you're looking at KPIs and everything. Yeah. Um, how does a novice get into you know, what that looks like and how to find it. So I would say just like you had to figure out where to get your licenses, where to get your certifications for whatever it is that you do, right? It's a lot more undefined when it comes to improving your business acumen because if there's no business acumen school. You see what I'm saying? Like, 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 and, and and so what, but you know, if you go to, you know, community college and study to become an LPN, that you're, if you stay the course, you're going to walk away with a certification that is widely accepted and you'll be able to go into that environment and utilize it. It doesn't work that way with entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. right? And I think what happens is that 
a lot of people want to eliminate the element of risk from that process. But I can't tell you if you spend four thousand dollars going to a certain conference that you're going to definitely walk away with new relationships and information that's going to help to grow your business. But I can tell you if you don't go. <laughs> that you're not going to walk away with it. Right. And then the other piece, George, is that. And I see this all the time. People have such unrealistic expectations for what the return on investment should be on coaching or training. Or, so in other words. Yeah, I see a lot of people look for that uh, one to one type of thing, not yeah. realizing a lot of this, uh, a lot of these skills and exposures and whatever that you'll get. Oftentimes it works like continuously and starts to open wider yes. and wider yes. and wider. Yes. And I, don't, I, don't I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's going to resonate with the, with the, with the viewers, but so, okay. I give an example. If I say, Hey, look, and which is, it's not, but if I was to say one coaching session with me is $5,000, right? Man, I'm not paying you lost your mind. Right. But I can almost guarantee now the market can't bear it, at least not yet for me. So I, that's not how much one session with me costs. But I can guarantee you if I spend two hours with someone and they're really in, intently listening and they ask clarifying questions and they go implement what I tell them. Wait, that last part, that last one. <laughs> implementation. <laughs> Education without implementation. Implementation. <laughs> but I can I mean, OK. Let's just say if it was $5,000 to, to be able to log into this podcast today, mm -hmm. right? Well, we probably wouldn't have anyone on. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, the information that we've given on this podcast, if someone reasonably implements it and they don't at least double their money, like if you do everything that we talked about right now, and let's just say your revenue in 2021 was 450000 right? The probability that that wouldn't grow to 460,000 as a result of what we said is slim and none. Yeah, right? zero. It's zero. It's zero. So if you pay 5,000 and you increase your revenue by 10,000, you doubled your money. But that's not what people want. They want to go to the coach and they want the coach to take them from 450,000 to 4.5 million. Mm -hmm. And that can happen, but for, I can almost for $200. <laughs> exactly. For 200 right. bucks. And the truth of the matter is that can happen, but you're right. going to probably rock out with that coach for two or three years. The young lady that you mentioned backstage, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I should say her name or not. I'm going to say her name. Oh yeah, Kimberly, that's my girl. Kimberly, Kimberly Fowler. Okay. Like salt of the earth type person, you know, like what you see is what you get, you know, got it out the mud, you know, and. Yeah, Kimberly has, really has one flaw. She's a Falcons fan. Other than that, she's go. <laughs> she's go. But. But a lot of like a lot of so a lot of folks in that industry and, and, and quite honestly from that region, because we're Baton Rouge based. So, you know, we got clients here in Louisiana, Texas, Georgia um, and in a few other states. But it's pretty much concentrated in that tri-state region. So since since Kimberly came on board, a lot of tax professionals are seeing her growth and they're like, mm -hmm. OK, well, I'm going to go to whatever source that she was using to put some of this stuff in place. Well, here's what they're not willing to do. And I and, and I, I already said this publicly, so I'm going to repeat it. Kimberly has been investing with us 30 grand a year for two years mm -hmm. in, in that education. Mm -hmm. So that that's 60 mm -hmm. grand. I know what it what it has yielded. So she's gotten like a 4x return 
on that, but she had to start by being willing. Oh, she held up the um, she held up the trophy at the conference for the half million in revenue for in the half million. The year. There you go. There you go. All right. And I know I know where she was when we met. And so it was one of those situations where she's a she is a dog at what she does. Like mm-hmm. she she knows the stuff like the back of her hand and she can coach other people on how to grow it. But she is like, all right, I, I want to scale like for real, for real. Mm-hmm. I want to build my personal brand. I want to have my courses. I want to have my coaching. I want I want um, uh, conferences and all sort of stuff. And so she she came to us. And so my, my point is that there are a lot of folks in the same space that she's in that may have comparable revenues or maybe even more that aren't willing to make that mm-hmm. investment on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. They'll have to work harder, just kind of chasing their tail, killing what they eat or whatever the case may be. Absolutely. Now, right. again, it's all relative, right? So mm-hmm. there are folks that do what we do where the same scope of work would have cost a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I mean, I have to meet my market where, where they are. And so, Mm-hmm. That you know, I, our price point is much less, but the point is that there are a lot of businesses that have the capacity to pay that, but they just can't wrap their brains around it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I tell them all the time, I said, okay, if you were to, okay, let, let's just take your your business, just say the 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 contract CFO component. Mm-hmm. As soon as you say you want to hire a CFO of any type, mm-hmm. at any level, there's a certain baseline price tag that comes with that. Now, when they hire Elite Eight, they're going to pay a fraction of what they would if they hired someone in that full-time capacity, but they're going to get the same productivity out of what you're doing. Correct. But it's hard to make someone understand, pay George five grand a month so you don't have to pay someone else 10 grand a month. You get the same amount of work done. And then when you get to the point where you can pay 10 grand a month, now you got all of the structure in place to where that person can come in and seamlessly work. And mm-hmm. you know what's going on. But if, if that's a hard conversation to have in our communities, even with, for, with the folks that have it, unless you're, you're talking about leads and, and social media followers. Now, if you talk about that, they'll spend it. If it, if you know, it. I actually just had a similar conversation uh, last night with a longtime client um, or what have you, where, you know, we're just in an economy where prices on everything um, are increasing. Yeah. You know, and so as such, so did ours have to or whatever. And um, it really took walking it backwards for them to, I'm I'm not going to say understand, but reacclimate to the understanding of what the value really was. It's like, yeah, we can do this. But remember what that got you back then and how frustrating that was for me, you know? You're like, yeah, it has been a lot easier, (laughs) you know? and that's one of those things where, again, kind of like making the investment, um, you know, you have to look at uh, the simplest way to put it is how are your weaknesses. But at the same time, you have to have some understanding of what it is or you don't even know what you're hiring. Right. Because you still got to manage these people. Right. right. And you brought that up when we were talking backstage. And I want to uh, touch on that uh, before we get out of here. Uh, the importance of developing company culture and how that's done. Yeah. Yeah. And again, so I'm going to say this again for the small business owners that are still watching. We hour and a half or so into it. 
do not think that this doesn't apply to you just because you only got a two man team or you're by yourself or you only got five employees and three of them are family. It is applicable regardless. Here's what happens. And this even happens in corporate America. Right. So I'll give you an example. Uh, A banking client of mine, well, a credit union, um, regional credit union there across maybe eight parishes here in uh, in Louisiana. And uh, they were going through a rebranding process. They wanted to make sure that before they rebranded, that they uh, improved their customer service and they improved their company culture. And so one thing that we identified was that they weren't doing true succession planning and they weren't providing the type of training um, that people needed in order to become managers and GMs, things like that. So here's my point. Just because someone is your best teller doesn't mean that they're going to be a great assistant manager. Those are two different skill sets. Mm -hmm. Right. So they were very proficient at their job and everyone likes them. And then you say, well, let's promote Keisha to assistant manager. And then Keisha fails miserably because she doesn't have managerial and leadership skills. Entrepreneurs do the same thing because they promote themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Do do, Do you see what I'm trying to say? So, so, so you own a bakery and you are, are a monster at decorating these cakes. Can't nobody touch you. You just did a cake that looked like an Escalade and it looked like we could get it in the driving. Right. <laughs> then what happens is you get to the point where the orders are coming in. You got a three month, you know, waiting list and all this other stuff. And you're like, I need to hire some other folk that got that gift and train them and this, that and the other. Now mm-hmm. your role in your own organization just changed from chief cake decorator. Right. To general manager. Well, as a general manager, now you got to motivate and manage these people. You got to render progressive discipline when this person late, this person says something they had no business, this person leaked confidence, this person, right? And you don't have that skill set because you've never been in a leadership position before. But you're not investing in your own leadership capabilities. So now you unintentionally build an organization that has a toxic culture. And then you blame it on the marketplace, man. You can't find you can't find good people out here. No, it's not that. Is that you're not providing a good employee experience, and so even though you are well intentioned and you probably are very you know of of, of high uh, character and things of that nature, and you're very knowledgeable about your industry, you never sat down and thought, what do you want the culture of your organization to be? Right? Shouldn't and, that be up front before you get like shouldn't that right. be first considerations? It should be, but uh, but again, think about okay, I'll give you an example. How many Fortune 500 companies are launching initiatives mm. where they where they want to make their organization uh more more willing and open to diversity? Good point. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't right. think most of those companies right. are in the in the last 30 years, those companies were not in the boardroom saying, how can we be more discriminatory? Mm-hmm. How can we chase off minorities? They weren't saying that, but the origin of the company might have been rooted in practices that were discriminatory. And so there's that legacy cost, there's that residue, right? So it's the same way with a small mm-hmm. business. Like if you start out be- being unorganized, you start out, you don't know how to talk to people. You know, uh, you're not paying people a a competitive wage. Uh, The recruiting and onboarding and training process is unorganized. You don't have documented processes and things like that. You don't have a reward system in place, even if it's just telling people, thank you. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'll give you an example. And I, I got a couple of my, my, my team members that are filming right now. So hopefully they'll agree with it. But like one thing I try to do is whenever we're moving around, like we, we if we had a shoot off, we traveling to another state to capture content and stuff like that. A part of what I try to do that's a way a way of me showing appreciation is that we always have really nice accommodations and we're going to always go to really nice restaurants and things like that. And it's on the company. Right now, does that eat into our profits? Yes. But I would like to think that if I take, you know, a 32 year old creative to Atlanta or to Houston or to Dallas or to Philly or whatever, and they're like, man, we was in this really cool Airbnb and, you know, we ate good and we moved around a certain way. Uh, last year, I bought a, a Mercedes Metris because we're always traveling regionally with a bunch of equipment, a bunch of people. So as opposed to us just renting a vehicle or people driving their own vehicles, mm-hmm. I got a Metris because it's a luxury van and I feel like it makes our travel more comfortable. So my it point is, sense. it makes sense. And so my, my point is that you, you, you think through these things. And consider how you want to frame your culture. You come into our physical spaces, you know, like I'm everything is orange, it's orange everything, right? Orange mentality, orange. I got orange in my logos. I wear orange a lot. We got orange pillows back here, orange, right? Well, it's not because of the color. A lot of people think it's the color, but it's what the color projects. It's the psychology behind the color. Mm-hmm. We ain't got time to get into that. But, but my point is that when I think about my organization as a whole, I want to make sure that if you come to my office, you get that same experience that you see when you consume our social media content. Mm-hmm. We got an orange carry. We got orange drinks in the refrigerator. We got orange artwork on the wall, X, Y, Z, right? So our physical space is the personification of the culture that we want to drive. Then when you interface with my people, I need my people to be not necessarily like me because I want them to be diverse. And we got we look like the rainbow coalition in my organization. We got, mm-hmm. you know, gender, race, ethnicity, you name it. But at the end of the day, there are certain characteristics about all of us that are consistent, mm-hmm. just like core values. Well, I had to give some thought to that because sometimes I might have somebody in front of me that is more skilled, right? Than the person to my, the person to my left might be more skilled than the person to my right. But the person to my left don't fit my culture. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with the person. To, so the person to my right might have C plus skill set. Their skill set can improve. The probability that I'm going to change the person to my left's value system after they get in my organization is slim and none. You see what I'm saying? So you, you have to you have to mm-hmm. think about it and define it. And then when people get into your organization, I'm going to say this and I'm going to hush. The number one thing people want, everybody want a paycheck. I mean, we all work because we have bills to pay. We have a lifestyle to preserve. But that's not necessarily the number one reason why people work. And that's not the number one thing that's going to keep people because there's always going to be an opportunity that pays more. What people really want is to feel like they're growing under your leadership and your management. In order for them to grow, you got to kind of have a sense where everyone's trying to go. And then you got to figure out how your experiences, your resources, your relationships can help move that person to that next level, even if it's outside of your organization. So my team members can tell you they all if they don't have other jobs, they may have they may freelance, they may have other businesses. And I totally support that. I tell them all the time, I want you to base your life. Not around work. I want you to base work around your life. So if family, if, you know, plan 
intramural basketball or whatever your thing is, you tell you block that time out. And then you tell me what your availability is. Now, some people say, well, I can't run a business like that. Yes, you can. It's called right. job. Right. It's called job sharing. Yeah, and it's a very intentional. Uh, that's right. a very intentional culture. And I think that's the part right. that lacks is people look for a task to be done. Yeah. Not right. a, you know, not a true look, teammate. <laughs> why would you why would you why would you quit at T. Simmons and Company if it don't interfere with nothing that you 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 prioritize and you value? Exactly. I don't give people a reason to quit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk to you crazy. I'm going to pay you a competitive wage. And if you tell me, you know, uh, Antoine left me stuck out. Look, I'm calling him out. He went to go see the Nutcracker right before Christmas. We had a shoot coming up. Man, go to the Nutcracker. We going to be okay. Right. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm being funny. But, I, but, but I'm saying that that's, that's really what it is. It's like at the end of the day, if, mm-hmm. if you know, your, your kids are – you know, over here and they're in competitive cheering and weekends are off limits to you. Well, most of our shoots are on weekends because entrepreneurs are running their business during the week. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you, if you, if you're talented and you fit my culture and all you got to give me is 17 hours a week, then I'm going to meet you where you are. Right. I'm going to meet you where you are. They got some people that can give me 17. They got other people that can give me 57. Mm-hmm. There are some people that's down to travel every time the van or the plane moves and they got other people that's like, uh, I don't, I don't do the trap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got some people that'll work from 5 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and not a minute later. Then you got some people that's like, don't matter. We could be rocking out to 10 at night. We can start as early as you want to. People at different points in their lives. They raise mm-hmm. their families. Maybe they did the corporate America thing. They was done with the rat race. They focus on their family. And this provides them with the flexibility. But you got to think through that culture is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Compensation, uh, uh, appreciation, mm-hmm. communication. It's okay for it to evolve. You, you don't have to Absolutely. have perfect at the beginning. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The communication piece of it, if someone gets a, a, a written communication from my organization, they're probably not going to be able to tell who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Like we don't send out communication without addressing people by name, without proper punctuation. We don't put emojis in emails. We don't do that. You know, we, we we communicate in a very warm but professional manner. And, um, you know, there's a certain structure to that. And my team members can tell you they don't get to communicate directly with our clients until I know that they have that. Right. You see what I'm saying? Because, you know, you're not going you're not going to respond to one of my clients. I've been working five years to build trust with this particular client. And you respond and tell me some OK or. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you ain't even called. You ain't saying good morning or whatever. Like, nah, we're not doing that. So, but that all goes back to culture, communication, uh, our physical presence, how we dress. And again, it evolves. You know, the pandemic kind of tra- changed it a little bit. We used to be rocking out with suits and you know button downs all the time and stuff like that. And now it's more athleisure wear. It's more business casual, but it's still on brand. Mm-hmm. It's still on brand. So if you see one of my team members, they're going to be on brand. You know, unless they have an off day and then we'll we'll have a conversation about it in a respectful manner. And and usually they, they correct it. And so all of that's a part of your a part of your culture, you know. And so but I think the main one is when people come into your organization, you can't look at it like, what are you going to do for me? You have to look at it like, what can I do for you? How can I move you forward in your career or in the business that you want to start or whatever? And uh, I found that that pays. I got so many people that were in management with me eight, nine, 10 years ago, and they're executives in companies or they 
have started their own companies, they come back and do business with us. Mm-hmm. They'll bring me in to speak or they'll come and say, all right, Mr. Simmons, I'm about to start my business. You know, I ain't going to nobody else to do my branding. And it's as a result of the experience they had, um, you know, with the, with the organization. So that's just, but I, again, we didn't, we ain't thinking about leadership. <laughs> we, we no, thinking you about- know, that's a very, uh, because inherently you would think that if you are making the election to be a business owner, that's probably one of the single most important skills that you can have. And you should be constantly reading in that space, even if you don't want to make the investment in conferences or networkings and things like that. You yeah. should at a bare minimum be down at the 50 uh, off bookstore, you know, counting uh, all the uh, leadership books you can, uh, because what you're going to find is that from author to author to whatever, everything is just rephrased. The principles Absolutely. of leadership, the principles are the same. Absolutely. You just have to get it into your palate <laughs> or whatever, but the principles are, are, are pretty much uh, pretty much the same on that. So um, I've seen a number of people that you work with, um, you know, and some are very high profile, other high visibility and whatnot. Um, and I don't want people that's watching that's, you know, considering redoing some stuff to think that you're out of reach or whatever without knowing what the reach may be. So tell people how to get in touch with you. Uh, so they can go to terrysimmons.com. Uh, what you'll see is the, the way the website's broken down, it's broken down in two ways, by service or by size of the company. So you can click on a tab. If you are a solopreneur and you want brand development, then click on solopreneur brand development and you'll see a bunch of packages there. Now, those aren't the only packages that we offer. Just to be honest, by being transparent on price, it's kind of a a knockout thing for us. If someone Mm -hmm. looks at those prices and they can't find anything in that range that works for them, then they're probably not a good, they're not ready to make that investment, whether they Mm -hmm. don't have it, whether they don't see the need or whatever. So, uh, so we're pretty transparent on pricing. If you're a small business owner and we even give you the definition of what a small business is, medium sized business, it's there. You know, if you got this many employees, if you're kind of in this revenue range, then this might be, these are packages that are going to be a good fit for you. And then if it's a corporation, then we don't have any packages. That's all customized solutions. But the point is, regardless of what it is, whether it's systems integration, brand development, uh, whether it's the the HR stuff or whatever, it's all there, and um, it runs the spectrum. I have, you know, companies that are early stage real estate company, early stage salon, whatever the case is. I mean, they might have came to us and spent seven or eight grand over the course of a year, you know. Uh, and then there are companies that are much further along that spent sixty or seventy grand. Right. Meaning meaning small business owners. Then there are those corporations that we have long term contracts with uh, more so on the uh, training and workforce development side that those are multi year, six, seven figure contracts. And Um, I want to I want to add this because I don't want anybody to get lost in the sauce on the package. I was on the website uh, earlier uh, before the show, actually, right when you popped in, uh, that's where I was or what have you. So. Know this, you can go there and you can prioritize your right now. And that doesn't mean that's all you can do. You can 
that relationship and work with Terry over a period of several years. Absolutely. Different packages. So I just wanted to put that out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I got, I have clients that have, you know, so I'll give you an example. Uh, and again, I, I don't, if you notice it, I put out a lot of content. I very seldomly talk about our clients. Um, mm-hmm. But from again, fortune 500 companies that are, you know, one of our clients is the probably the third largest employer in Louisiana. Uh, then we have other small businesses where the owners are social media influencers. You know, they got six figure followers and, you know, they, they, they have a huge digital footprint. Um, but I, I'm going to use one cause I know she wouldn't mind. It'll give, it'll give her some, um, hopefully somebody will go buy some clothes from her. But um, Chimes Boutique is a good example, like small business wise. Uh, when Tanika Morris is the owner, when she started working with us, I believe it was 2016, 2015 to 2016, you know, she was maybe a year or so in, she might've had seven or 8,000 followers on Instagram. She was trying to build up, you know, her sales volume, really learning, you know, her company. And she started at a certain level at a certain price point. And as her business has grown, you know, every now and then she might step away from us for three or four months, but then she'll come back and say, all right, you know, I'm ready to take it to the next level. You know, we've been able to work with her over the past couple of years on a few new initiatives that she's launched, new product lines, new brands. She launched a personal brand. She's about to launch another brand here in a second. And so what I'm saying is there's something for if there's nothing on our site for you or not a price point on our site, then you just you either just not at a, a point with your revenue where you can invest in your business or you're just not serious. Um, so and it's probably the latter. Terry ain't it's probably, it's probably the latter. It's probably the latter. It's probably the latter. Yeah, it, it's the latter because you got the GLE. So, right. um, <laughs> you know, but, but I tell people that all the time, like in, even in our industry, uh, you know, uh, it's no secret that I'm not a fan of those uh, those bank products and whatnot. Um, yeah. And I tell people all the time, hey, you know, you have to file taxes every year. You know, a year ahead of time. Hey, next year, this time we'll have to file taxes. So you don't have the money. Doesn't make sense. Right. And to go and pay these exorbitant fees, which I believe is just kind of preying on a certain mindset. Uh, I don't think it's a, a, a good thing or whatever, but you have business owners or, or solopreneurs in this space that feel like if they don't offer that product, they can't win. And I'm like, no, you have to, one, change your paradigm shift and stop thinking with your pocket or whatever. And then two, you know, set the expectation, you know, like. So, so this is something a lot of people may not know. So back in 2004, uh, mm-hmm. I forged a partnership, which that partnership actually dissolved last year. Um, but so we had a 17 year run with that business, but invested in a, which was a tax prep company that evolved into a full service accounting practice. Mm-hmm. So early on, let's say the first three years, we grew like wildfire offering those products that you're describing. Mm-hmm. So now let's go back to company culture. So we were new and young in the game and it took a while for me to realize that those products were predatory. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then we sat back and said, is this who we want to be long term? Because as you know, George, so for any tax professionals out there, when 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 you lead with those products, people don't even hear the value of the service that you're offering. They only care about one thing well, two things. How quickly can you get me my money? Right. And how big is the check going to be? 
Mm-hmm. They're not listening about financial planning, budgeting, tax planning. You know, you, you trying to refer them to a, a, a insurance agent. You know, you, you're trying to refer them to a financial planner, things like that. They ain't hearing none of that. They're like, how much I'm getting back? Well, hold up. Because my, my sister went across the street. She got two kids about the same age and we made about the same amount of money. And she told me she came back more than this. Well, how quickly can you give me my check? And so it puts you in a seat where your business is a commodity. Mm-hmm. Now, you might think, yeah, but I need them three, four hundred dollar pops. But here's what happens. And again, I've done it and I've never prepared a tax return. Came right clicking, Drake came right clicking. I don't know nothing about none of that. But but was more on the strategy side. Here's here's what we did that was transformative that led to long term long term sustainability for the business. So, again, I'm talking to the tax professionals and accounting practices is that once we said, well, yeah, we can get the seasonal four hundred dollar pops from hundreds or thousands of people. But when you get one company or one individual that allows you to serve them holistically, they're going to be worth 10 times that to you annually. And you're not going to have to work hard to keep them because the last thing somebody wants to do is say, hey, let me let you take over my bookkeeping, my tax planning, my payroll, whatever it is that you offer. Man, nobody want to move that. You got to really mess that up for them to move that. But that, per- but that, that person that you only doing tax, tax prep for, they're going to go across the street if they five dollars cheaper. They gonna go. Uh, you, you miss you misspelled fifty cents. <laughs> look, so you know this is what it is. So again, you know now look if that's your market, you got three thousand customers that come to you seasonally, and you're doing seven figures in revenue. Then maybe that's the space for you to be in. But those that are you know maybe more of a fledgling tax business, and you're chasing that market with that message, come get a big tax return fast. That ain't gonna work out. Hey, they, that's not going to work out for you. You're going to have so, to think about Let it. me reiterate right here because y'all call me petty, but Terry said this. He ain't never prepared a tax return, and he ran uh, this business as a partnership for 17 years. And every time I'm in a colleague space and we're having this conversation, you know, uh, there's a group of us that strictly just talk about, you know, education and strategy, you know, like. I do over a hundred hours of CE every year or whatever, because my mindset is get better at serving the customers. I don't want every customer. I have right. some colleagues that are doing, you know, 11, 12, 1500 returns between them and their staff or whatever. Right. And the thought of that. Yeah. 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 And, the, know, and, the, and, the, and the revenue on that is still only 400,000. Yeah. Because after they finish with the uh, overhead and everything, the payroll or whatever, you know, and, and then you're done with the 400 pops or you maybe are doing worse and, you know, unjustly charging people seven, eight hundred dollars for something that should really be four hundred dollars. Whereas I have a client that may have a boutique of services and it's 15, 20, 25 grand, you know, and right. when I have 10 of those. I'm not working as hard as you. Right. Right. Exactly. As many personalities. Exactly. But received. again, what you said was, number one, you're willing to invest in your education, your team's education. Right. Uh, the second thing is that you have to think about, because if you're just preparing taxes, that's almost like throwing a party every year. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I like that. We're not going to use that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's like you got you to get everybody all pumped up to show up and get dressed up to show up at your doorstep because there's really nothing that you're uniquely qualified to do that someone else can't do. Because the barriers to entry on just becoming a tax professional, I mean, to go get an EFIN number, you know, that the barrier is minimal. So, mm-hmm. 
So the only way to separate yourself from that fray is to increase your education and to come with added value services that Mm -hmm. help people to improve their overall financial health in business and personally. And even if it's not services that you offer directly, if it's referral based, you know, again, back when I was in that business, there were things that we would refer customers or third parties that we refer customers to. There was no direct financial benefit to the business, but it strengthened the relationship with that client. Yeah. And so, so for those tax professionals that are watching, I know, you know, you got a lot of them that, that follow you and that, that value your opinion. That's what you need to be thinking about. Instead of thinking about how many tax returns you can do, you need to be thinking about how can you come with added value services. And, and it don't always have to be uh, credit repair either. Right. Because, I mean, because you already because it's like, well, well you're just kind of perpetuating the same problem because people that right. need credit repair. Right. Right. Like, I'm not trying to look. Don't get me wrong. They, look, we had some half a million dollar clients that needed credit repair. So I get it. But I'm saying you kind of still kind of going after a poverty based mindset. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to yeah. think about elevating it by bringing added value services that kind of target a different demographic. But then what you probably going to do, too, is level up so that you can attract those clients, uh, you know, as well. But uh, but yeah, yeah, just just trying to. And I look, I see people they're dumping into the market by the thousands every year, um, you know, where someone says, all right, I think I can, you know, I know a lot of people, my family members trust me. Let me start a tax prep business. And it's like, you're going to be frustrated because it's oversaturated and it's been oversaturated for decades. Mm-hmm. And and the other part about that is the people you think are about to come to you. That's not the ones you're coming nah, to. No, they're not coming to you. The last thing they, because the, that requires full disclosure. And most times right. the people that's closest to you, they don't want you all. They don't want like you that. to know how they really do nah, it or whatever. Nah. Uh-uh. Yeah. No, Jerry, I want to thank you for dropping in, man. You dropped uh, some serious gems on everybody. I'm going to encourage anybody that's watching, share the video, but more importantly, uh, reach out to Terry and his team. Uh, go to the website, uh, terrysimmons.com, and see some of the things that they have there that they can do for you. But I'm going to tell you, uh, and Terry kind of said this indirectly, what I'm going to tell you is that sometimes... An ROI doesn't look like income. It just saves on output. Sometimes the money you spend is going to save you from having to spend it again. Because if you go cheap, <laughs> when we say that uh, says consistently having excuses about participating, <laughs> if you continue to do that, you, you're just not going to be able to transcend to that uh, to that next level. So sometimes making an investment is not only going to save you money, but it's going to save you time and heartache, uh, you know, to get to where you want to go to bring that vision uh, into fruition. You know, now for those of you that want to DIY at the school of hard knocks, that ain't for you. You know, uh, you could go to hard knocks university, get your DIY degree and everything. And I think the old saying was Jack of all trades, master of none, you know, to each his own. But if you want to take that shortcut, first go and get Sharita's uh, uh, budget uh, uh, book there and uh, learn how to not only do a budget, but how to set one up and actually execute it. Then if you're looking at 
doing, going into business, I will tell you this, even if you don't hire him for to execute services, it makes sense to sit down with Terry and get clarity about what things you should consider prior to going in. It makes sense to sit down with myself and consider the tax uh, implications of the structure you're considering. It makes sense to sit down with uh, Aaron, uh, our business attorney, and, and really hash out which structure is needed to best protect yourself. These investments early on will save you so much time, so much money, and so much heartache as you go down the road. This has been Boss Talk Radio. We will see you guys on next week. In the meantime, don't forget to go to uh, SharitaHumphrey.com and get the uh, get the book. The is at the top of 2022, so this is the perfect time for you to go on and uh, get your money right with that. We'll see you guys on next week. Boss.